0: Om Shri Book two, Ayodhya Kanda, or the Book of Ayodhya. Om Rama, the light of the race of Raghu Sita, the lamp. Of the race of Nimi one was born in the solar dynasty the other in the lunar line canto one impending coronation the citizens of Ayodhya loved all the four young princes of the realm but they took special pride and pleasure in the eldest Rama as indeed did the king his father Rama was an extraordinary person. Nature had been lavish in her gifts to the young prince. Not only was he handsome of stature and mien, but even at this young age he was a fully enlightened being. The discourse given by sage Vasishta had been comprehended in its essence by him alone, and he shone among the rest as a diamond in the midst of pebbles. Not only was he possessed of great physical beauty, but his manners were also charming. He had a keen intellect and could be tender and sympathetic when the occasion merited it. Though he was soft and kind with the weak and poor, he could also be stern and inflexible when it came to wrongdoers. Always self-controlled and ever immersed in the self, He was equable of temperament, never flared up in anger, nor gave way to unseemly mirth. In fact, he was the paragon of all virtues, yet he was never puffed up with pride or arrogance, accepting everything as the gift of God. For twelve years after his marriage, Dharma led a carefree life, enjoying the company of his charming wife, and learning to handle the multifarious affairs of the state. It was at this time that Kaikeyi's brother came to take her son Bharata for a holiday to his home, and Bharata left with chatrupna to his maternal uncle's abode. Seeing his son Rama so full of noble qualities, King Dasharatha felt that it was his duty to install him as heir apparent as soon as possible, for he himself was getting weak and old. Having once decided on this, he was in a desperate hurry to get it over. He consulted his ministers and decided on a day for the installation. Invitations were sent to all the kings, but by a strange twist of fate the king forgot to send invitations. Two of his closest relations, his father-in-law, the king of the Kekayas, and his father-in-son's father-in-law, King Janaka, had the former been invited, Bharata and Shatrughna would naturally have accompanied them, and the whole course of the story would have changed. By the time Dasharada became aware of the omission, it was too late to send for them. Whether this omission was intentional or accidental, we cannot say. He consoled himself with the thought that they would hear the delightful news soon after. There, in the assembly of all the kings and prominent citizens of the city, Emperor Dasaratha proclaimed his intention of crowning his son Yama as Prince Regent the following morning. The most auspicious time was chosen by the astrologers when the planet Pushya was in ascendance. All the kings acclaimed the decision as a wise one. He then turned to his guru Vasishta and asked him to get everything ready for the installation on the following morning, for the function was to start at break of dawn. His minister Sumantra was sent to escort Rama to the assembly. Rama was the finisher of all eyes, as he walked into the hall with a stately gait. He prostrated before his father, who in turn embraced him and bade him be seated on a special seat. He then apprised him of the honour in store for him on the morrow. Rama was neither elated nor displeased by this pronouncement, but took the news calmly, as was his nature. He returned to his own palace, cheered by the populace, who had thronged to the palace gates, as soon as they heard the news. The assembly now broke up, and the king retired to his own quarters. Thereupon he again sent his minister, Sumantra, to fetch Rama. The king was feeling agitated, since he had been told by the astrologers that he was passing through a very bad time, which might even end in his death. So he was anxious that rama's installation should take place without delay moreover he had suddenly remembered that at the time of his marriage with kaikeyi he had promised his father-in-law that her son would become king after him he was frightened that if Bharata happened to be present at the time of the installation he might demand his rights when rama arrived he told him that he should observe a past along with Sita for the duration of the night and should keep vigil on a seat of Darba grass with a stone for a pillow. Rama agreed to everything and returned quickly to his own palace to give the news to Sita. But she was not to be seen. He went to his mother's quarters and found both Sita and Lakshmana's mother Sumitra with his own mother, Kausalya. She had heard the news and was praying for the well-being of her son. Rama was blessed by his mother and by Sumitra. He turned to Lakshmana and invited him to share the good fortune which was to come to him on the morrow. After this, he retired to his own apartments with Sita. News of the impending coronation had spread like wildfire and people from all over the suburbs had started to pour into the city of Ayodhya, excited at the prospective event to which everyone looked forward with great joy since Rama was loved by all. Decoration of the city commenced immediately. Thus ends the first canto called the impending coronation of the Ayodhya Kanda in the glorious Ramayana of the sage Vajmiji, Hari Om Tatsa. The name of Rama is the sole mantra to escape from the coils of this world. He who keeps this name in his mind constantly will have all power in the palm of his hand. Om Rajendraya Namaha Rama, the lord of Ayodhya, Sita, the princess of Mithila, Rama, the jewel of the line of Regu, and Sita, the treasure of Videha. Canto 2. Kaigei Contrives Kaigei was a king's youngest and favourite wife. When she came back to Ayodhya, she was accompanied by her maid, a hunchback called Mantara who had been deputized to look after her interests. That evening, the woman happened to climb to the battlements and looked down at the festivity going on in the town. She was quite astonished to see the city decorated all of a sudden, as if for a big occasion. Seeing Rama's old nurse standing nearby, she asked, Why has the city of Ayodhya gone mad with joy overnight? What is a special occasion? The nurse gave her the news of the impending installation. Hearing this, Mantara was shocked and rushed to her mistress, who was relaxing in bed. Rise up, O oh deluded queen, she said. Your husband, who professes to love you, has cheated you. Having sent your son away to his maternal grandparents, he is now set on crowning. Kausalya's son Rama as heir apparent tomorrow, beguiling you with sweet words. Your husband has behaved like a treacherous serpent. Kaikei rose up, filled with delight at the news of Rama's impending installation. She presented Mantara with a beautiful jewel, since she was the first to bring the good news to her, and said, Thank you for having given me this most welcome news. In my eyes, there is no difference between Rama and Bharata. I am delighted with the king's decision. Mantara was shocked at Kaikeyi's reception of her news. She threw away the jewel and spoke in scornful accents. I cannot believe that you can be so blind to the misfortune that is to befall you. Once Rama becomes king, you will be only a maid to Kausalya and your son too will be degraded to the status of a servitor to Rama. The hunchback ranted and raved of the calamities which he foresaw for her mistress and would not listen to Kaigei's praise of Rama. Kaigei could not foresee any of the dire possibilities which Mantra kept insisting would happen. But at last, after listening to this tirade for a full hour, Kaige also began to believe that all that Mantra said was true, and the king had indeed plotted to deprive her son of his lawful position. This actually shows us how important it is to keep the company of the nobles. That is why there is such a tre- stress in our scriptures on the value of satsang. Once we start mixing with wicked people, even the most elevated mind will slowly succumb to their poisonous insinuations. At last the agitated Kaikei begged Mantara to tell her how she could have saved her son from this dire calamity which was to overtake him. Mantara reminded her of the two boons which Dasaratha had promised her long ago. Once he had taken her along on one of his milky sorties, at that time he had been sorely wounded and in an unconscious state. Kaikei had skillfully maneuvered the chariot and taken him away to a safe place. When he regained consciousness, he was so grateful to her for having saved his life that he asked her to choose two wounds. She had kept the offer pending and had almost forgotten about it. Mantara now reminded her of these boons and asked her to demand them now. One was that Bharata should be crowned as heir apparent, and the second was that Rama should be banished to 14 years to the forest, which would give enough time for Bharata to consolidate his position in the country. Mantra advised the queen to enter the apartment, specially kept aside for sulking wives. Sub chamber, and lie there with hair disheveled and torn clothes, thus indicating to her husband the unhappy state of her mind. Instigated by the hunchback, Kaigei proceeded to carry out all her orders, her own good sense completely stilled. At night, the emperor entered Kaigei's chamber, eager to share the news of the forthcoming event Was his favourite consort. He was quite dejected to see that she was not awaiting his arrival, as she usually did. He was even more dejected to hear that she was in the sulking chamber. He hurried to that room and was horrified to see his beauteous wife rising on the floor with her jewels scattered everywhere, unkempt face, unkempt hair and face darkened with anger. What is it, my dearest one? The old king inquired in distress. Who is it that has dared to offend you? What is it that you lack? Whatever be your wish, do not hesitate to ask. You know that I will gladly give you anything you ask for. Kaidei then spoke. I have neither been insulted nor treated with disrespect, but I desire something which only you can give me. Promise me that you will fulfill my desire. Only then will I rise up. The infatuated monarch smoothed her disheveled locks with his hands and placed her head on his lap and solemnly swore that he would grant her whatever she wished. The queen, knowing full well what effect her words would have on him, cruelly spoke the following words as prompted by Mantara. O king! Do you remember the time that I saved your life in the war and guarded you till you regained consciousness? At that time you promised me two boons. The time is now ripe to redeem your pledge. I request you to install my son Bharata as Prince Regent and secondly to banish Rama to the forest for fourteen years. These are my two wishes. And if you do not grant me these wishes, you will be proving yourself a traitor to the noble family in which you have been born, and guilty of the great sin of breaking your solemn word. The king could not believe that he was hearing such cruel words coming out of his beloved's mouth. Unable to bear the anguish which her words had caused him, he swooned away. Coming out of a swoon at last, the king said, What has possessed you, a wicked woman, to ask for such terrible wounds? What has the innocent Rama ever done to you, when the whole of the country is extolling Rama's virtues? Why are you alone bent on ruining him, as well as this noble race? You know full well that I cannot continue to live without seeing Rama. Even for a day, are you bent on killing your husband as well? What demon has possessed you, O Kaikei? Have I been nurturing a viper in my bosom all these years? I beg of you, I will fall at your feet. But please, please, spare me from going against my word, for I cannot agree to this most terrible and unfair request. Thus saying, the agonized king fell at her feet. But the queen, whose good sense had been completely stilled by the wicked words of Mantara, retorted cruelly, How can you, who claim to be the scion of the Ikshwaku race, break your word to me not once but twice? For you not only gave me your word at that time, but also just now. Shame on you that you should be so false to your own race. And have no pride in your status as a king. Hear this, O perverted king. If Rama is installed as prince regent, I shall surely drink poison in front of your eyes and die here this very minute. Thus saying, she sank down and refused to utter a single word. The demented king now ranted and raved of how all the other kings would despise him when they heard that he had cancelled his own command have Rama installed, store and placed Bharata in his stead and he also sent the peerless Rama to the forest what would he say to Sita what could he say to Kausalya? a wicked woman do you want to kill your husband and enjoy the kingdom with your son how will my darling and delicate Rama survive in the forest how will the daughter of the king of Videha bear her separation from her beloved husband thus wailing the unhappy monarch writhed in pain on the floor beside his cruel consort. The night had passed and the auspicious day on which the installation was take place had dawned. Sage Vasishta entered the city with his disciples and requested the minister Sumantra to apprise the king of his arrival. Sumantra was astonished to see the king on the floor. And Kaikei, sitting in a disheveled state beside him, she ordered him to go and get Rama. Sumantra left immediately and brought Rama to the king's chamber. As the chariot with Rama and Lakshmana seated within passed through the streets thronging with people, he was hailed on all sides and showered with flowers and jewels. Entering the royal palace, Rama bowed before the dejected king and before Kaike. He was surprised to see his father, who was usually so happy to see him sitting with eyes cast down. Have I caused you any unhappiness, O Father? In what way have I displeased you, he asked. The king could not speak or even raise his eyes to look at him, and Kaigei said, the king is neither angry nor displeased with you. He is unhappy because he does not wish to keep the promise. He gave me a long time ago. It is your duty as an obedient and loving son to see that your father does not break his word. One who breaks his word will have to go to a special hell reserved for such people. Jahan was astonished to hear this and said, How can my father doubt that I would not obey his commands? I would jump to the fire if he so ordered me. Kaikeyi now spoke again, Well, notice, this, O of the Raguse. The two boons I've asked for are these, that my son Bharata should be installed as Prince Regent in your place, and that you should be banished to the forest for fourteen years. Your father cannot bear to carry out these wishes of mine, and that is why he has such a sorrowful look and refuses to look at you. Not by a flicker of an eyelid did Jama betray the fact that the news was a great shock to him. He had come there expecting to be fated and fawned over, instead of which he had been stung as if by a venomous serpent. Yet his countenance showed no anger or hatred. In an even voice he asked, How can you doubt, O oh Princess of Kekaya, that I would be disobedient to my father's wishes? even though I have not heard this command from his own lips. Yet your wish is my command. Just give me time to take leave of my mother Kausalya and the princess of Videha, and I shall do your bidding and go to the forest with matted locks this very day as desired by you. Thus saying, Rama circumambulated his father and Kaigei thrice. And backed out of the room. The agonized king was choking with grief and could not utter a word. Rama walked out of the palace without a backward glance. Nothing in his mien or behavior gave an inkling to his waiting friends and citizens of the shocking news which he had just received. Waving aside the white umbrella and fan of royalty, he strode into his mother's apartments in complete control of himself and his emotions, as befitted a stidapraknya, a master yogi, who had risen above all the pairs of opposites. But Lakshmana strode after him with eyes blazing with anger, and face suffused with fury, his hand clutching and releasing the sword at his side, as if ready to draw and kill even his father, if Rama ordered it. Rama entered his mother's apartments, accompanied by Lakshmana, and saw his mother seated for puja. She got up and rushed to greet him, and embraced him fondly, and offered him a bejewelled seat. Rama merely touched the seat. He was sad at having to upset his mother, but there was no way of breaking news gently to her. Oh mother, he said, I fear I have come to give you bad news this jewelled throne is not for me nor the white umbrella for by my father's orders i am to proceed directly to the dandaga forest clad in bark and existing on fruits and roots for the next 14 years while bharada rules in my stead hearing this shocking news Kausalya fell to the ground in a dead pain when she recovered she began to lament "O oh, my beloved son can I be hearing aright? Can the king give such a shameless order? How can I live without you? For many years after he married Kaikei, the king treated me with scant respect. But at least after you were born, I had some claim to merit. But now without you, I shall surely be despised and treated like Kaikei's servant. I will not stay, but will follow you as a mother cow follows her calf. Hearing this, Lakshmana, who was in a furious mood, spoke up, O brother who will follow the orders of a man in his dotage, who is completely under the thumb of a woman. Who but a fool would forsake a son as godly as you and listen to the prattle of his wife? Before anyone comes to know of this shameful fact, take up the reins of administration in your own hands and install yourself as Prince Regent. Both the priests and the people will support you and I will stand guard over the gates of the city, ready to kill anyone who thwarts you, even if it be the king himself or Bharata. On what authority does the king dare to give the kingdom to Kaitei's son, when you alone have sole right over it? I shall kill my aged and wretched father, who is in his second childhood, and hand over the reins of government to you this very minute. Hearing this, Kausali added, indeed, Lakshmana speaks rightly. I will not grant you permission to go to the forest. If you go, I shall fast to death. Knowing her agony, yet unable to help her, Rama spoke to his mother. O oh noble lady, please try to understand that I cannot flout the command of my father, even if it brings grief to you and to me. Our land is filled with stories of great men who at the behest of their fathers were ready to carry out any order. It is my duty as a son to do this. Moreover, I have already given my word to Mother Kaikei, and will not back out of it. It is your duty to bless me and give me leave to carry out my duty. Then turning to his brother, he said, Lakshmana, I am well aware of your great love for me as well as your valour, but remember that I have pledged my word to do my father's bidding. And in so doing, I am also redeeming the pledge he made to Kaikeyi, which was to be honoured by me. O gallant Lachmana, I have taken my stand in righteousness, and it is your duty to help me to carry out the royal command. This is not the time for violence, my dear brother. It is not worthy of you to sink into unrighteousness. Once again he turned to his mother and said, Grant me leave, O mother, to carry out the behest of my father. After fourteen years in the forest, I shall return. It is your duty as well as Sita's and Mother Sumitra's to abide by the commands of my father. Such is the eternal law of Dharma. Even after he said this, Kausalya wept and begged him not to go. Time was running out and Rama was impatient to leave before anyone else tried to dissuade him. Once again he turned to Lakshmana and said, ''O Lakshmana, I know of your everlasting devotion to me, but both you and my mother have failed to understand me fully and you are both harassing me most painfully. Dharma, Atta and Kama are the three goals of human life. But all these will lead to moksha or liberation only if a person follows the path of righteousness. Which is the man of righteousness who would fail to perform as a sacred obligation, a command given by his aged father? My mother is his wife, and so long as her husband is alive, she cannot follow me to the forest like a widow. It is her duty to remain here, and pray for my successful return. Therefore I beg of you to give me leave to depart to the forest. Life is of short duration, and I will certainly not accept the trivial sovereignty of the globe if I have to resort to unrighteousness in order to get it. Thus uh, saying, he circumambulated his mother and said to his brother, Curb your anger against my father and Kaige." And be joyful that you have helped your father to keep his word. The only way you can help me is to see that all the materials which have been brought for the coronation ceremony are sent back. Without wasting any more time, see that everything is kept ready for my departure to the forest. See to it that Kaikei's mind is not in the least agitated by the fear that I shall back out of my problems. I hold nothing against her. It is fate alone which has decreed that I should go to the forest, and that sovereignty should have been snatched from me at the last moment. Kaike and Mantara were only instruments in the hand of providence. How else could my gentle mother Kaike ever have conceived of such an idea? To the best of my knowledge, I have never offended her at any time, and I have never made any distinction between my three mothers, A decree of providence cannot be set aside by anyone. Joy and sorrow, fear and anger, gain and loss, birth and death will all come according to the time. An individual who comes under the sway of these pairs of opposites will always be unhappy. Only he who can surmount the pain and pleasure called by these can be called a man of enlightenment. Despite the shock which I received this morning, I feel no agony and no anger. Therefore, O Lakshmana, take my advice and do not give up to remorse over my loss of fortune. To me, it makes no difference if kingship or exile falls to my lot. In fact, the latter is more favorable, for it gives me an opportunity to redeem my father's pledge. All these words failed to convince Lachmana, for he was of a fiery temperament. But Kausalya realized that drama was firm in his resolve and could not be shaken, and said, I see that you will not be shaken from your high resolve, and therefore I give you my blessings. Yet good betide you at all times, my beloved son. Destiny is all-powerful and cannot be averted. As for me, I shall have no peace of mind until I see you return, safe and sound, how can I sleep on my silken bed when you are sleeping on rocks and stones? How can I eat the palace fair when you are living on roofs and roof? How can I wear satin clothes when you are clad in bark? I can sleep soundly only after your return. My darling son. May that dharma which you follow so scrupulously protect you. May your path be smooth and may your every undertaking meet with success. Depart happily, my beloved son, and return safely, protected as you are on all sides by my constant prayers. So saying, Kausalya controlled her grief and blessed Rama who fell at her feet. Rama now proceeded to his own palace to convey the unwelcome news to his wife. Sita was waiting joyfully for the arrival of her husband, accompanied by bards and waving of ceremonial fans. She was shocked to see him come alone, looking pale, for he was not sure how to break the news to his dearest wife. What is troubling you, my noble lord, she asked. How is it that you have come alone and unaccompanied by minstrels? The auspicious time has come. And yet you have not gone to the hall. Tell me what is the cause of this change of plan. Rama briefly narrated to her the story of his father's promise to Kaikeyi and of his banishment to the forest. And Kaikeyi's demand that her son Bharata should be installed as Prince Regent. It is your duty, my dearest wife, to stay with my aged mother and look after her, as well as your father-in-law, and pass your time in prayer and penance until my return do not displease Parada in any way for he will be king in future and be sure to treat all three mothers equally hearing these words of Rama Sita, though a docile and meek wife could not bear the thought of separation from her beloved husband and spoke out forcefully what you have just said is unworthy of you with kind scion of the race of ragu, fathers and mothers will reap the consequences of their own destiny, which is only the wife who actually shares the fortunes of her husband. For a wife, her husband alone is her refuge. Therefore I shall follow you wherever you go, my darling husband. I shall go before you and crush the thorns in your path, accompanied by you, The forest would be as secure for me as my parental home without you this palace would be a forest for me i too long to see the mountains and the lakes and the flowers of forest my darling one i can spend hundreds of years with you in this fashion without any sorrow heaven itself has no charms for me without you i assure you that i shall not be a burden on you i shall serve you as I have served you here, and we shall delight in each other's company and rejoice in the beauty of nature. Hearing these words of his wife, Dharma said to her, My dearest wife, you have painted a rosy picture of life in the forest, but believe me, this is far from being the case. You are a tender and frail princess, totally unfit for life in the harsh forest, filled with wild beasts, Rakshasas and other poisonous creatures. There will be none of the delicacies which you have been used to, and no one to wait upon you. You cannot imagine such an existence, and that is why you are speaking like this. But please heed my words and desist from this idea. I say this for your benefit, and not because I think it will be a burden to me. None of this could deter Sita from her firm resolve. My Lord, she said, how many times have I begged you to take me for a trip to the forest? And now when the opportunity has come, why are you denying me? I have been told by Brahman Sudsaya that I was fated to go to the forest one day. The time has now come for the prophecy to be fulfilled. In fact I feel quite delighted at the prospect of a prolonged sojourn in the forest, in your enchanting company. I cannot live even for a minute without you, my dearest love. If you refuse to take me, I will take poison and give up my life here and now in front of your eyes. Nothing can deter me from my resolve to follow you. So please do not waste your time trying to convince me of the rigours of forest life. Rama was secretly delighted to hear her words. He had been dreading the thought of parting from her and had tried to deter her only from a stern sense of beauty. But now that she was so adamant in her resolve to accompany him, he gave in gladly, holding his agitated wife in his arms. dharma spoke soothingly to her and kissed away her tears. Not knowing the strength of your purpose, O Janaki, I tried to deter you, not because I wanted to leave you, but only because it was my duty to point out to you the dangers of forest life. You know that I cannot bear to cause distress to you, my lovely princess. O oh, beloved Sita, even heaven has no charms for me without your bewitching presence. I too would love to sport with you in the woods and glades of the forest and on the mountain tops. So make haste and gift away all your jewels and costly clothes and prepare yourself for a prolonged sojourn in the forest, with me. Hearing these delightful words of her husband, Sita hurried to do his bidding. Lakshmana, who had been listening to the dialogue between Rama and Sita, could not bear the thought of being parted from him, and said to Rama, O brother, I cannot remain in Ayodhya without you. I will go with you and clear the path for both of you, so that you can blissfully enjoy the beauties of the forest. Dharma tried to deter him with these words. Who will look after our aged mothers and fathers if you come with us, O Lakshmana? I know of your great love for me, but it is your duty to stay here and be a support to our aged parents. How can you doubt, O brother, that Bharata will look after both our mothers as if they were his own? Shatrughna will be there to help him, so have no fears on that score. Kindly condescend to take me as your attendant. I will bring a sword and spade and my bow and arrows and cut the creepers and trees which stand in your path. I will stand guard over you and sita day and night, so that you can sport with her on the mountain tops, unmolested by any evil forces. Please do not stop me from coming with you, my dear brother, for my mind is made up. Dharma knew it was useless to try and dissuade Lakshmana, so he agreed to take him and told him to go and take leave of his dear ones and to collect his two heavenly bows and quiver of inexhaustible arrows and his two invincible swords and return immediately. As soon as Rekhna returned with the weapons, Rama instructed him to call Suyetnya, the son of his preceptor sister, so that he could worship him and give away all his wealth and thus get his blessings before departing to the forest. Thus ends the second canto, called Kaitei Contrives, of the Ayodhya Kanda, in the glorious Ramayana, of the sage, white Hari Om.
1: Shout it I know Yeah. you did ¡Suscríbete al canal!